we have this tremendous and wonderful union with the Lord Jesus. Priest and people go together. Shepherd and sheep go together. King and subjects are in the one kingdom. Now, this truth is even more magnified here in John chapter 15, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And what an astonishing analogy this is. The Lord is that vine that gives life to every single branch. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. And today we're turning to the Psalm 8. And I want you to imagine yourself walking down a busy street, perhaps in the center of the city. And there are those heads bobbing in front of you, bodies, endless, countless numbers of people walking along that street. Then I want to bring you to this statement in Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? And here is the wonder of God's interest in man. Every person on the street, every single body in the city. Indeed, the Lord says, every hair on our heads he knows. Now, here is the wonder of God's interest in every individual soul in this world. We see this by the visitation that he makes. It's not only that man is mindful of us, but that he visits. For God to even think of man is wonder enough, but to visit us is greater still, because the word visit here means to care for and to take into custody and look after. It's said in Genesis 50:24 that God will surely visit you and bring you out, meaning that he would care for Israel and one day bring them out of the bondage of Egypt. Another verse in Exodus 3.16, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done. So this is God's attention and his uh, desire to deliver and to bless. This is God's personal, individual, and minute dealings with men. And just think about this. God is thinking, dwelling on you. He's the infinite omniscient, all-knowing God who takes specific interest in every one of his creatures, in every soul on the earth. And God is interested in men above all his creatures to bless and order all his affairs. This is God's delight to govern each and every soul, especially, of course, his own children to save and redeem. And for those for whom he sent Christ to die on the cross to shed his blood, God will bring them to redeem them and one day bring us home to glory. Now we see this wonder of God's interest in man here in Psalm 8 when man is compared with other works of God, when compared with God's own glory, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Now God stoops to look into the heavens. His majesty is so high, his holiness is infinite and glorious. That God would stoop down to sinful men is absolutely amazing. Now, when compared with the heavenly creation, 
And here in verse 3 it says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man? This has been called the astronomer's psalm. It may have been recorded or sung at night out under the stars. And God has appointed them. He puts every one of those stars in its own galaxy. How foolish to think that they are the result of random forces. Every star in its place, every galaxy in its Milky Way, and God, the God of the universe, holding them up by his power. And when we think of what God is doing in the galaxies, and then what he's doing with man, this is a mystery and a wonder. Then verse 5, compared with angels, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with honor and glory. Now angels are pure spirits. Being without bodies, they are not hindered in any way in their worship and service for God. But of course we are in these bodies in which we dwell. And yet God has made man to be the uh, king of creation. He has dominion over all the earthly creatures. And we're told here that he's crowned with glory and honor. He's made to have dominion over the works of God's hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And it goes on to talk about sheep, oxen, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And here the psalmist marvels at God's interest in man, even though he's a sinner. God takes delight in man whom he has created. And of course, we know that because the Lord Jesus came in the likeness of men. He was made in our very likeness. Let's unite together and just give God thanks for declaring his interest and his care for us. Father, we praise thee today for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. We thank thee for your interest in men. You did not make your son in the image of angels. You did not make your son in the image of any other creature, but he took the form and nature of men, and he was fashioned in the likeness of men, so that in the fullness of time, being made of a woman, he would redeem them that were under the law. We thank thee today for our precious Savior, our Redeemer, the proof positive that God loves sinful men. And we thank thee for the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, that blood that reconciles, that blood that covers every sin, that blood that leads us home in fellowship to our Heavenly Father. O oh God, bless us today for Jesus' sake. Remember those that are facing the struggles, the cares, the needs of life. Lord, we thank you that you see and you care and you intervene and you hear the cries of your people and you open up new ways, and you lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. So do it today, Lord. Come to the aid of your children, and let thy blessing be upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, on this Communion Sunday, we're coming to John chapter 15, which is the chapter of abiding in the Lord. This communion feast is indeed intended to expound and have us experience this two-way communion. In 1 Corinthians 10, we are told that the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Now, that word communion is the great Greek word koinonia, meaning fellowship, to remain in fellowship with the Lord. And this is the purpose of this communion table. It is an assist. It is a means that will help us to connect our faith with the reality of Calvary and all that the Lord Jesus is to his people. This is a twinning of partners. We are to be in this fellowship, this communion, and that's why it's called the table of communion. And what a thought that we, although born from our mother's womb, living here on this earth, that we are united to uh, and in some way merged with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, who came from glory, and that our lives are united with him. In another passage, the Apostle Paul spoke about Christians being joint heirs with Christ, that he is our elder brother, and that when he died, we died. When he rose from the dead, we also rose in him. And now that he sit, is seated at the Father's right hand, we are raised up together with him. That is us positionally. We have this tremendous and wonderful union with the Lord Jesus. Priest and people go together. Shepherd and sheep go together. King and subjects are in the one kingdom. Now, this truth is even more magnified here in John chapter 15, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And what an astonishing analogy this is. The Lord is that vine that gives life to every single branch. And we as Christians have no existence, no life, no future, certainly no fruit, as mentioned here, unless we learn to totally, absolutely depend our all upon the Lord. Now, this interdependency of both vine and branch is unmistakable, and it really has to be the chief lesson of this chapter. The branch is nothing without the vine. But also you flip the coin. The vine can produce no fruit without the branches. And just as the branch withers and dies immediately that it is severed from the vine or has no connection with it, it's finished. The vine cannot do its work. The Lord Jesus will not be a complete head of his church to bring forth glory to his Father without each and every branch 
that is connected to that vine. We can say that the vine exists for the branches, and the branches, their only life is to serve the vine, to honor the vine with its fruit. And let it be pointed out that this abiding is not our initial conversion to Christ. This abiding is not our salvation. This abiding is the ongoing continual fellowship, communion, abiding in the Lord Jesus. And it is as we abide in the Lord that we bring forth fruit. Now, I can see some of the shock on some people's faces here today. You're worried about that statement. This abiding is not our initial salvation. The question is, to whom is the Lord Jesus speaking here? He's speaking to the 11 disciples. Even Judas is not here. This is after Judas goes out into the night. And the Lord Jesus is addressing his 11 disciples. And he is speaking to them in particular. And he gave them a promise of the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that you are going to serve me and abide. So we have to restrict the uh, purpose, the intent of this message, that it is to believers. So it is to those who already believe, who are already uh, trusting in the Lord Jesus. And the command to the Christian already believing in the Lord Jesus, already going to heaven, you're already going uh, to the kingdom of glory, you are joined to the king, you are a sheep belonging to the shepherd, you are a worshiper under the headship of your one priest. Now the secret to bearing fruit is to abide. Remain in fellowship with the Lord. Now the Greek word behind the word abide means to remain. Stay attached. Do not depart. Do not get lopped off. Do not try to do things on your own. Remain totally dependent upon the vine, and then we will have the fruit. So it is our responsibility to abide in the vine. Now, it's the Lord's responsibility to bring forth the fruit. The Lord will take care of the fruit if we ensure that we constantly abide in the vine. Now, on Friday morning, I had a very nice, simple outline with three Ps that I was going to give you at this point and tell you this is now the outline of the sermon. But the more that I looked at this, the more I tweaked and changed and worked and thought and prayed and got back to this, and we end up now just with one P. The possibility of abiding in the vine. Is it possible? That's our task here today. Now, the whole possibility rests on the claim of the Lord Jesus. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. <laughs> what a claim. This is absolutely astounding. Do you know of any other religious leader 
that made such a claim as this. I am the vine. I am the source of all life, nourishment, strength. You, your future is absolutely fixed in me and me alone. And then he goes on to say, I am the true vine. Now, you could look at that two ways. It means that all others are phony and false. Or I am the vine that will give you perfect fruit. I will give you genuine fruit if you abide in me. Now, this begs the question, did the Lord in any way overstate things when he used this analogy of the vine and the branches and said, I am the true vine? Did he overstate things? And of course, the answer is no. The Lord Jesus is, is truth. He is the way, the life, and the truth. He is truth personified. This is the word of God speaking, revealing truth to us. And it's true because he is the covenant head of his church, his people. And God the Father has made a covenant with his Son that through him every spiritual blessing, every life, every joy, every peace, every victory will come to your soul and my soul and to every Christian soul through union with the Lord Jesus. He's the covenant head. We are members of his body. We are united to him, and through him we receive each and every blessing. Now, that's the claim of the Lord Jesus, and that's what makes this possible for me to abide. But it also allows me to say, and just think about this for a claim. Every person here who claims to be a born-again Christian is claiming to be a branch drawing life from a supernatural divine source by a union with the Son of God so that your life is now really a reflection of the grace, the fullness of the Son of God. That's what you're saying when you say you're a Christian, that you're a branch abiding in the vine. It's the same as what Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. It was because of Christ's grace, spirit, life flowing into his life that made him to be the man that he was. Now, surely you and I can say that too. I certainly wouldn't be here behind this pulpit today if I didn't have life from my Savior. I would probably be sitting on a tractor plowing or milking cows. I would never have given up my family farm to become a preacher of the gospel if there was not truth to this amazing statement. I am the vine, you are the branches. That it is not I, but Christ. Christ in me. Now, many will ask, how is this possible? What, what is the difference whether you're a Christian or not? And, and, and is it, it is all the difference of a branch united to the vine or unattached to it. 
And we know that those branches that are unattached, what do they do? They wither up, they die. They are but to be burned. There is only one destiny for that branch not united to the vine. Now, how is it possible? And I thought that it's very essential that we take this time today to back up the claim and look biblically at this, this truth, this possibility. This abiding. Now, let's go to our, a couple of verses here in John 15. Verse 4 and verse 5. You'll notice that there is here a two-way abiding. It says, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. It's a two-way abiding. And then, verse 5, He that abideth in me, and I in him. So it's two-way. This is not me holding on to this branch with all my strength, hoping that I can have enough strength to hold on long enough that I will get the blessing. No, this is true union and communion. Now, this is made possible, of course, by the humanity of the Lord Jesus. If we had been told to be united to God the Father, he would say, that's beyond us. But when our Lord Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came and took a human nature and drew near to us as the friend of sinners in a real human body, we can now realize that this is now possible because he has a real human body just like us. And therefore, he is our high priest. He is a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is the one who triumphed over sin in his life and in his death. And he was formed in our very nature we can grasp that this is a wonderful union in the very human nature of the Lord Jesus. Now, is it physical? Are the bones in my body, the flesh in my body, physically attached to the Lord Jesus? No. We have separate bodies. But I know that my Savior is interested in me and I know that when the Bible says that Christ died for sinners, that he worked, died, suffered in my place. He became my substitute because he died in a real human body. And he would have my sins transferred to him and his righteousness Good works are transferred to me. And there is this union, communion, this togetherness that I am in Christ and he is in me. Now, this abiding is made possible, of course, by the atonement. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross in his sacrificial death. And atonement means to bring God and man together to be at one. And it is by the blood of Jesus that we are brought nigh. Paul uses this in his theology in Ephesians, that we who were aliens, strangers, and afar off, 
are now made to be heirs and to draw nigh by the blood of Jesus. Now, we're coming to a communion table today where Paul says that this is the communion in Christ's blood. And so communion is possible on the terms of the blood. And we would say that it is absolutely impossible for any man, woman, young person to be reconciled to God, to be in fellowship with God without a saving interest in the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus. And I must ask you, is that the reason, is that the terms by which you come today to the communion table of the Lord? You come to enjoy fellowship through the blood. When you take that cup, it is a symbol of the blood of Jesus. Your faith is to be in that blood. Romans 3.25 talks about faith in his blood. And if your faith is in the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus, you take that cup with a definite purpose. There's a reason behind it, because this cup represents your personal saving interest in the Lord Jesus. And you know that your life, your heart is connected to him on the terms of the blood. And without that victory at the cross where Jesus was your sacrifice, there would be no hope, absolutely no hope. And just as the branch, uh, unless it's abiding in the vine, there's no life. It withers and dies. Likewise, there is no possible communion with us. The hymn writer put it this way, Nothing between my soul and the Savior, not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There's nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. And this is all involved in abiding in the Lord Jesus. And it's possible because of our Savior's substitutionary voluntary death on the cross. And it's possible by faith in that blood coming to put your personal trust in the Lord. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click 
on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.